It's John, Cut Above Horror Review, episode number 45. We are bringing in special guest Nicole from the Light and Shadow Horror Podcast. For the third time, we're talking about from 2002, May. It's going to be May. All right? Y'all ready for it? So thank you so much for uh, all the love that we've gotten on Spotify. Thank you for all the love on iTunes. Keep them coming. Those five-star reviews, we love them very, very much. So episode 45, a cut above horror review, May. And our friend Jonathan Young is going to give you the intro right about now. It's going to be May. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we will be we will be reviewing the film May from 2002. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, we have a special guest returning to be with us. It's Nicole. How is hey. it going, Nicole? Oh, it's it's going good. Going good. Always glad to be here and talk about horror. Yeah, thanks for coming back. We always love having you. And next up, it's Hydraberg. What's, What's going, going on, on guys? How you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on, Nicole. Your third time. Of course. Happy to yeah. be here. We There's a plaque. It's in the mail. <laughs> oh, I don't have to wait for the five timers. I get three timers. There's a low bar around here. Yeah. Three times and you're in our Hall of Fame. That's Woo! it. And last up, it's John. How you doing, John? Hello, everybody. And Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. You are our very first um, retimer on A Cut Above Horror Reviews. The so first one? Very yeah. first one. Yeah. It just I'm shows so you honored. how much we like you. Yeah. <laughs> We've had Bob on. I, I think he's been on three times. Not technically, though. He gave us a review mm. of... Um, yeah, his audio. Yeah. So, so he gave us that. Nicole, your awesome Light and Shadow podcast. Would you like to plug it, please? Sure. So I have a horror podcast called Light and Shadow, a horror podcast. And um, I do something a little different. I don't do reviews like these guys do. Um, I kind of pick a, pick a theme, pick a topic, and I talk about how that topic is in American history and American culture. And then I talk about the films that center around that topic. So um, it's, it's monthly-ish. Um, I'm really struggling, especially this past year, to, like, keep it consistent, um, you know, because we're busy and I'm doing it all on my own. But it is something that I'm very passionate about, and uh, I love doing it. And um, so my next series is going to be a, rig- a religion and horror series, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time. And um, I released, like, a, a little mini Easter episode that was kind of a little, like, intro to that. And um, I have a few blogs I've written that are specifically about religion and horror, and those are linked in the show notes of that episode. So um, so that's coming soon. Hopefully, I don't know if it's going to happen in May now, but I think my first episode about religion and horror is going to be out for sure in June, and it's just going to kind of be, like, an intro to the topic, kind of a brief history of, like, what is religion's role in humanity? Um, what are some of the big influential religion and horror films? Like, what are some of the common themes? And uh, and then after that, we'll we'll dive into some more specific themes in religion and horror. But uh, that's what's up next. Uh, Light and Shadow Pod, Instagram, Facebook, all the podcatchers. 
Oh, yeah, go check it out. I mean, it, it's awesome for sure. And plus the fact that we had our host, which, by the way, I want to give a big shout out to our host because she's got three wonderful children that she has to deal with all year round. And then once a week, she's got to deal with two adult children. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say a huge happy Mother's Day to our host, Jacqueline. Yes, happy Mother's Day. Yay. Thank you, guys. We love you. Uh, you putting up with our shit. Uh, it, it is awesome and it, you do such a great job. So thank you, Jacqueline and happy mother's day. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I, I had a good mother's day and I'm glad I get to spend the day after with all of you. And, uh, sometimes I do feel like I have to parent y'all a little bit and, like, <laughs> boys, boys, let's calm down. Yeah, for sure. let's, Especially let's... on that Jason goes to hell episode. Yes. I was definitely like the room mom on that episode. So. <laughs> you had four of us to deal with on that one too. Yeah, <laughs> Well, you know, I have three kids and a husband, so it's it basically adds up to the same. So <laughs> did you uh, did you get to pull kids. the movie card on Mother's Day and make Joey watch like a, a trashy film or something? I did get to pull the movie card. However, I did not pick a trashy film. This was very want? seemingly out of character for me, but I chose one of my all time favorite movies, which is not even close to a horror movie. Nicole, I'm wondering if you're going to be in this boat with me. Um, Steel Magnolias. Oh, wow. You know, I do love Steel Magnolias. I think I've only seen it all the way through one time, but it's one of those that I've been meaning to revisit. That one and Fried Green Tomatoes. I'm like, mm. I'm feeling a double feature coming on. Yes, those two go together so well, mm. and those are some of my all-time favorite movies. They're movies that I grew up watching with my mom, mm. and so yeah. um, they have like a sentimental value to me, and plus I think they're just really good movies with really great actors yeah, in classic. them. Yeah, mm. um, I Steel Darryl Magnolias. Daryl mm -hmm. Hannah in that movie was so good. I mean, she was such a subdued character. So young. What's that? She was very young. She was, yeah, but I, 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 I thought she was such a, a great character in that movie. And one of the few movies that actually choked me up. So. Yep. And yeah. it's, it's, it's like an exception movie in a lot of ways for me, because I don't generally like, you know, so-called chick flicks. I don't like tear jerkers i don't like things that are sad i don't like to like cry in movies um but for some reason maybe it's this like mom connection i have with it and like the central relationship in the movie is a mother-daughter thing and so um i mean and i cr i've seen that movie at least 30 or 40 times in my life and i and i cry every single time Aww. i mean every time i think i'm not gonna do it this time and then when sally <laughs> field just like goes off after the funeral, oh my god is that I, not the scene where it just like breaks your heart? It does. I'm because her acting is so good. Yeah, she's it's an like, amazing actress. It, it really brings up all the emotions every time she hit she hits it, and I always laugh at all the jokes. So um, <laughs> it never it never loses its shine to me. So plus, fucking Dolly Parton's in it. Yeah, I am a gigantic Dolly Parton fan, which also might seem out of character for me, but it's not. <laughs> no, she's great. She's just like the greatest living artist. I mean, she's basically opinion. the Elvira of country music. So there you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, I saw like there was some viral like tweet or Facebook post or something a couple of years ago where somebody pitched this idea where Dolly Parton and Elvira are like sisters, but it's kind of like wicked, you know, that like uh, one's the good one's the good one and one's the bad one, and they have to like fight out fight it out for control of the land or something like that but i i was like Oof, i'd sign up for that yeah, yeah i don't Do hate it yeah dolly just got nominated for uh, uh what was it the uh rock the and roll, roll hall, of hall of fame i think she was inducted yeah 
Why or vote, vote so it long? in or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's, she said she didn't want it because she thought she didn't qualify. And I think they voted her in anyway. Yeah, the Good second time, time though. Because that was like a year ago, maybe two years mm-hmm. ago, where she goes, "No, I'm, I'm good." But uh, I do. The wanna, people have spoken. Um, speaking of country music, uh, Naomi Judd passed away. Uh, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, she. Um, I guess mental health things going on with her. Um, so I, I feel really bad about that because even if you're not a country music fan, you've heard of the Judds. You've heard of, you know, all these all these things that they've done with country music. So it's sad. Uh, a lot of people really kind of feeling this right now, you know, country music yeah. Hall of Famer. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I've, I've never really listened to the Judds too much. I only know like a couple of their biggest hits, but she was a towering figure in country mm-hmm. music and it's a loss. Yeah, um, definitely. Should we just like change our podcast to like country music news today? No. Like we'll just no. skip no. the horror no. news. Magnolia, and... um, country. <laughs> nope. Our podcast is now the Steel Magnolias. No, it's not. Review. Wait, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> wait until you hear the news. I like Ashley Judd, the actress. She's a Judd, also, right? She's in mm-hmm. the same family. She is mm-hmm. yeah. the daughter of Naomi and back the sister. Movies. Of Winona, and she was in Bug, which was directed by William yes. Friedkin, which is a yeah. very scary movie. That she movie, was there you go. Spider too, also I think. And we've come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say, Hyderberg? Along came a spider. I think she was in also. Kiss the girls. Yes. Oh, kiss the girls. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yes, huh? yes, one of those double jeopardy thriller type mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And there you go. There's the horror news. <laughs> nope. Just kidding. Just no, kidding, no. John. What is the actual horror news that you have for us? Rob Zombie. <laughs> You gotta Seriously. slide it in there better, bro. You can't like, just you can't it. just you can't just sledgehammer it in. You gotta yeah, be. Yeah, I was like, gonna say like something no, about country his movie. Music. Like, oh, his movie is almost music? wrapped up. It is oh, to be okay. one hundred and fifty-eight minutes, two and a half yeah. hours of the monsters. What is it? A Marvel film? Apparently. Did you see these images that they just showed of Grandpa, her, and uh, Herman? It's got like this grainy oh. hue to it. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> you poo poo. You poo. She who must not be Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah. And and say her. Mm-hmm. She's Lily Munster. Lily Munster. Show some respect, man. <laughs> Get Rob Zombie's wife's name into your mouth. One hundred and fifty-eight <laughs> minute. Dude, this is gonna be a long. That's a lot. Movie. That's a long. It's movie. too long. It's a hundred percent too long. Yeah. Two. What was that? Two hours <laughs> and thirty-eight film. minutes. Hmm. It's gonna be a summer blockbuster. It's like Gone with the Wind. Uh, and it's PG too, so we're not gonna get all the uh, backwoods lumpkins. If it's a <laughs> Rob Zombie film, Jacqueline, it's more like Gone with the Cut the Wind. <laughs> I was so happy when I heard that it was rated PG. I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's a studio film. He, I don't think they're gonna let him do whatever he wants. You know. Hmm. I'm really curious to see it. I. I I don't know. I mean, even though it is a Rob Zombie movie, it's PG. I, I do want to see it. I actually want to review it on the show. You're going to be in black right. and white? No. It's all Should color. We? Oh, I wish it were in black and white. It'd be in black and white. He will probably throw some black and white shots in there because he's done that with every other movie that he's ever done, right? Mm, I don't know about Having just that. watched Young Frankenstein last weekend, I think they should go for black and white. Yeah. It's a hard sell for studios. I know. So is Rob's hobby. <laughs> oh, that's true. 
Good point. Well, I don't know. I just feel like it would kind of retain the the feel, you know, of the series mm-hmm. that everybody loves if it were in yeah. black and white. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be cool in color. I I, I don't know. I want to rock. Right now? No. Ro- uh, not Rob Zombie, but D. Snyder. Oh. <laughs> Twisted Sister. <laughs> He's actually directing a new movie called My Enemy's Enemy. Um expected to come out late this year he actually co-wrote that have you seen the movie strange land i was gonna say he's done a movie before yeah i did see it's it's a twisted film i remember seeing the box at the video store the the you know the box art but i never never rented it it's kind of messed up i think it came out before saw right it did and it has similar themes of like he played he played the character of captain howdy uh, which was kind of an homage to what exorcist exorcist yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so uh, Those are imaginary friend right yeah mm-hmm. um my it's enemy's enemy coming out later this year from d snyder i want to rock, rock. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for he's that, actually Tom. humanitarian that guy he does a lot of charities uh motorcycle like walk uh, not walks but like rides ride alongs for like cancer and little kids and mm-hmm. he does he lives on long island Oh, John, can really? you save that line of you singing that song just as a little bump later? Can, can we please no. save that? I want to rock. Rock. <laughs> well, we got an Academy Award winner that is coming back to the horror movie genre, Halle Ooh. Berry. Oh, what's yeah, she doing? Yeah, she just what's signed a star. Gothic 2? Yeah. <laughs> God damn, that movie sucked. Uh, she's going to be the star in Motherland, directed by Alexander Aja. Oh, Nicole and I just like <laughs> both went for it at the same time. Yeah, he, he we're did like we're sold. Probably most famously, I guess, uh, High Tension and yes. what was it? The remake of Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Piranha. Oh, and Piranha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no other details have been released about that, but it is being produced by Landscape. So, Halle Berry in uh, Mother. What's Mother. the premise? Do we know the premise at all? Or not at no. all. No, Motherland they're keeping it's called, huh? Motherland. Yeah, they're keeping it under wraps, but the mm. fact that she's in it, Alexander Aja, it's probably going to be brutal. So, I'll take her, it. Actually, yeah, I will too. Well, I am excited for two of those three things that you just talked about. One of them is Rob Zombie related, right? No, it's not. Yes, I'm excited for the Rob Zombie. I'm excited for the Aja. And I'm not excited mm. for D. Snyder. Sorry, no? I know he no. listens. Because Jacqueline doesn't want to rock. I don't. I don't care for rocking. No. No, you're you're a country music gal. Wasn't D. Snyder also in um, Adam Green's Holliston show? I'm pretty sure D. Snyder was in that. Was he in that character? I think so. I I watched like a few episodes of that show and was kind of like, eh, not for me. But I'm pretty sure he was in it. Damn. Mm. Yeah, that was the show about them making like a horror movie or a horror show. Like it was, it was sort of meta. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was him and Joe Lynch are in it, and mm-hmm. I think they're themselves or a version of themselves. Okay. Um, and they're and I think they're filmmakers in the show. Where it's, did that it's show been air? a while. Oh, that's a good question. I think it's on Shutter now, but it came oh, out way cool. before Shutter was a thing. Gotcha. So I can't I can't remember. I I used to listen to their podcast adam green and joe lynch's podcast and so i knew a lot about it and have since forgotten a lot about it so <laughs> yeah 
That's usually the case. I mean, that's yeah, just it's, it's too much information. It's more of a, I do remember it's almost, it's more of like, it's like a sitcom vibe. But with, yeah. like, they're horror nerds, and so they're random horror influences, but it's more of a sitcom. So I guess if you're into, like, more horror comedy and, like, light, sort of goofy crossover type stuff, it's probably worth checking out. You a fan of Adam Green? Mm, not like really. I So I like Adam Green, like, as a person and, like, as yeah. a horror fan. Like, I just think it's really endearing that he's such a nerd about it, and he's got a great attitude about, like... It doesn't matter if you have money. It doesn't matter if people like your work. You just got to go out there and do it. So I like that about him, but I'm not really a fan of his work. I I'm not. That's how I am That's about Eli Roth. Yeah. Yeah. Like his talent and his passion just don't match, but I, I want to see him succeed, you know? Yeah. So Nicole is saying that she's not going to go watch Halloween Kills or ends later this year, right? I mean, I'm not excited about Halloween ends. <laughs> is is anybody excited about Halloween ends except for Bob? No. I mean, I want it to be good. I just don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I think Wes in the Slack, he's probably pretty excited about it, too. Mm, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a loyal, faithful yeah. fellow to that franchise. I think my the my first like the the getting getting off on the wrong foot with me was the fact that they titled it Halloween Ends. I'm like, so let me get this straight. You're gonna come out with a new Halloween, and you're gonna say, you know what? None of the other sequels matter. Our sequel is a direct sequel to the the first Halloween, and the rest don't matter. And our third film is gonna be called Halloween Ends. And I was like, who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty brazen. It is brazen. Yeah, especially after like Halloween 2018 was was fine. I didn't love it, but it was fine. And then of course Kills was not great. So I'm just like, you guys don't you you came out swinging and clearly somewhere you've you've lost the path. So I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, but but evil dies tonight, right? So it's got to mm. end. That is the best thing to come out of this new franchise. <laughs> is is evil dies is the best thing. I'm glad we got that. That yeah. is true. It makes it all worth it memes. almost. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. did appreciate that they brought back some of the older characters from the original, which was fine. But I do like that. that. Yeah. Like Anthony Michael Hall as Tommy Doyle. I mean, really? They couldn't get the other actor. I mean, I, if yeah. he passed away, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. Also, like Paul Rudd, Rudd Paul Rudd well, dodged a bullet. He dodged a bullet because, from what I understand, he couldn't be in Halloween Kills because he had a conflict with Ghostbusters. Like he couldn't do both. Uh -oh. Thank God. And I was, I haven't seen Ghostbusters, so I don't know. But after when we got out of Halloween Kills, I was just like, oh man, he really, he dodged a bullet. <laughs> I wonder if he went to go see it and was like, Whew. <laughs> he probably did. Yeah. It was like that whole like stage scene where they're like, like the, the spotlights on them is like, this is what happened four years ago. Here we go. <laughs> it's like, what? Come on. I want to give a big shout out to Jonathan Young, uh, our intro guy. Um, we changed up the music this week. Uh, he, he did a very, very dope uh, intro for It's Gonna Be Me from NSYNC. Yeah, I love it. I, I love a pop song that is taken to like a hard rock flavor. I, I love that. I will recommend to every single person that's listening to this right now, go listen to Jonathan Young. He actually does a very <laughs> rock version of Let It Go from Frozen. And I think I've heard that, has, actually. Yeah, if anybody has kids, you know what I'm talking about. Go listen to this, Jonathan Young. So thank you so much. Sorry. And then that. play that for the kids in the car. They'll love it. 
Let it yeah. go. Let it go. Save that. <laughs> there we go. All right, Jacqueline, uh, let's get back on track here. Uh, you picked this movie this week, May from 2002. Why in the world did you make all four of us watch this movie? I chose this movie because it's May. Oh. And <laughs> it's our it's our, our first May. Oh, that's not true. It's not our first May recording. We recorded some last May as well. But mm-hmm. um, doesn't count since, since we launched. And this used to be like one of my all time favorite horror movies. I saw it in the early 2000s, not when it first came out, but shortly afterwards. And at the time it was like in my top five list and I really loved it, but it's been quite a while since I had revisited it. I would say at least 10 years, maybe more. And so I always had very fond memories of it from, you know, the early 2000s, but I wasn't sure this is, and this is the case for a couple other movies that I've picked in the past few months, but I just kind of wanted to see how it held up to my memory and whether it still struck a chord with me and, and whether I was still able, able to, to connect with it the same way that I had before in my like early to mid twenties. And I'm, you know, just a few months away from 40. So just wanted to see kind of how it hit now. And also I wanted to put you guys through something like uh, a little different. Wanted to see how you'd respond to this very like female centric movie and just, uh, yeah, hear your thoughts. What a wonderful way to lead into, does this movie fuck or suck? I think that this movie definitely fucks. It holds up. It is kind of a sad, lonely, pathetic, desperate fuck, though. It's Ooh. like, it's like you're, you're trying to cling on to something and it just, you know, you just feel sad afterwards. But yeah, it fucks. Okay. Hyderberg, you want Nicole? You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jacqueline, I feel exactly the same way but you do. Um, I do think this movie fucks, but I I definitely have some conflicting emotions. I have some criticisms. I um, I had I told Hyderberg this. I think I tried to watch May like maybe ten years ago or so, and I'm pretty sure I, did, I didn't finish it. So. I um I was like okay I'm like not super excited about this but at the same time like ready to check it out and I I didn't know it was your pick Jacqueline I probably would have been a little bit more excited if I had known that it was your pick and oddly enough um I thought while I was watching it I was like man if I would have watched this in my early 20s I probably would have really loved it (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like you and I are very much in alignment on this uh so Hyderberg take it away uh I I think this film fucks for me it's a it's an awkward bite your lip clingy sort of fuck but it fucks nonetheless all right, John. I'm with the group, man. I I, I think this movie fucks. It's the one that you don't want to, but you're going to because it's going to be kind of fun, but psycho. Um, yeah, this <laughs> so you don't tell your friends about this one. You will not tell your friends about this one. Uh, no, this movie fucks. It, it, it's it's got a lot of disposition at the beginning, and it. I don't know. I I, I thought the character build was really nice in this movie, and it takes you to a place where it's just like that was satisfying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm a little surprised because I think both of you fellas had seen it previously, right? Had. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was an early blockbuster, like pick off the wall kind of mm-hmm. pick one night. Mm-hmm. And that Nicole had never said, I just assumed that you had seen it before. Cause I feel like you and I line up a lot on a mm-hmm. lot of things and we have mm-hmm. a lot of the same sensibilities, not like a hundred percent, but a lot of the time we're like on the same wavelength about stuff. And I just kind of like assumed like, Oh, this is a movie Nicole must have seen a long time ago and, and been into. So when okay. I asked Nicole to join us, I had thought, I had assumed that possibly she, this was a film that she had seen already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm not know. even really sure how I missed it. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that I like about it is that um, it does feel like a little bit of a gem, like for its time, because it was produced in the early 2000s when, you know, there were all these super slick, like mm-hmm. studio horror movies that I feel like we're getting R ratings more for like the sex and the language than really anything to do with horror or scares or any of that. And so this movie definitely has that disturbing ick factor that's missing from a lot of movies in that era. So I don't know if maybe I was still a little bit more on the mainstream path and I hadn't like ventured off quite yet. I th- maybe it was sort of in that in-between phase because more like, I don't know, probably 2004 to 2008 is when I really like got off into the weeds. So mm-hmm. I think that I just sort of sort of skipped over May somehow. Yeah, there, there was zero nudity in this movie, right? If I'm not mistaken, I mean, yeah, I it, it was a lot of right. I, I see I, a lot of May's nipples through her shirt, but not yeah. bare. Right, n- n- yeah. not, not blatant nudity. Um, there was a little language. I, I, I think, you know, it was really for the violence or the implicate, implicate. Uh, I don't know implication. Yeah, that 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 this is happening. Um, Man, it was like it was so subtle the way they did. Oh, should we do the spoiler alert real quick? Maybe so. Yeah, let's All drop right. it so we can actually get into it. All right, we're talking about May from two thousand and two. We're gonna talk about this movie in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. So, John, what were you saying? No, you no, no. Finish we your thought, and we got to do the uh, Heidelberg reach around. I know, but you were like in the middle of a thought. And so I thought you wanted to say something spoilery. I I just I I thought it was very much a very subtle movie, like the Mm -hmm. way they did the violence, because it wasn't they didn't do the sounds of it like slash against the throw. But like the way you saw it, it it was very quiet, very uh, subtle of cutting somebody's throat or or whatever they were doing in this movie. And it was just a lot like our main character. She's yeah. a very sort of quiet. Sure. She's girl. understated. Yeah. Understated. And I think those of us who love this movie love it for its quirkiness. And it, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a little bizarre, right? It, it doesn't feel at all like some of the slicker stuff that was coming out around that time. And so I can see how that would be unappealing to certain people who are like looking for a certain like. I think uh, production value or like uh, something kind of predictable. Yeah. You know, people I, who aren't into like exploring things that are a little bit off the beaten path. I, I think, said. I think the perfect word is quirky. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned a perfect Jacqueline that it's quirky. That mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, it, it's like, I can't grasp it perfectly, but it's just, it's quirky. It's like, mm-hmm. it's so different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. But yes, let's hear that reach around plot summary from Hyderberg. 
You sure? You guys seem like you just want to skip it. No, no, I want it. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> a shy girl without many friends works at a vet stitching up animals back together again. Try as she might, she can't seem to mingle. She's very weird, so remains very single. But that doesn't stop her from dreaming of love, admiring a man for his hands like their gloves. A doll encased the box is her Aphrodite, with cracks in the glass representing her psyche. She learned early on it's hard to make friends, yet easier to put them back together again. With thimble and thumb, she begins to go numb and seek out her whims by searching for limbs. To build her best friend, or try as she may, her victim's not aware, her penchant to slay. Their new best friend, it's gonna be May. <laughs> I love it. That was I wrote so a banger good. there, and you great. guys are trying to skip it. No, no, no. We're just excited to talk about it, but we are never too excited know, to skip over the reach around. A good reach around. You never skip a good reach around. Hell no. I love how you write right, with, with the limbs. conversation because this <laughs> this film warrants a good conversation. I, it does. I watched it last week before we casted last episode. And I was like, oh, man, this is a this is a better film than I remember. I had notes on notes already. So did you watch it a second time then this week or just the one? I didn't. I just week? did a little recap, but um, I mainly went over my notes and just touched them up because I, I remember most of the film. It's a short film. The pacing's pretty fast. It's not too slow. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I do wish it was a little bit longer towards the end because I feel like when she becomes like a killer and she comes into her own, we get to see her like, her, her she she be, like her confidence level goes up and like we get to see her really come into her own and like i kind of like that part of the film and the I gore the gore gets really cool during those scenes i actually loved it but but the thing is is like the first two-thirds of the movie is you know character building so yeah. you're learning about these characters including may and then it just kind of like kicks you in the balls of of what is really going on here you know like her psyche you get a little bit of that like throughout the movie of like, uh-huh. like oh man it's just once that glass case cracks in the beginning when she's with Adam for the first time like you hear that cracking glass noise go on and on yeah as she's like checking her hand the next day and then as every once in a while when something happens to her you hear that cracking glass noise mm-hmm. and it's so mm-hmm. cool the way they work that in there I think it's really well done like it's a representation of like her like falling into madness in a sense, you know, I love the fact that the blind kids like, like threw that glass case down and they're crawling through it, just trying to get to the doll. That scene is so weird. So like, st- you guys know there's broken glass on the ground yet. You're crawling. You, they bow down on and like crawl on top of it. Knowing that was I know they're awesome blind. But, so a quick anecdote about that exact scene. Uh, I, watched this movie repeated once i discovered it around like 2005 i watched it just like a lot over the next like two or three years and i had a boyfriend at the time who he he liked horror movies he was into it but he like i kind of led him a little further into some you know more bizarre places and so i was showing him this movie once and he was like he was down for the ride but as it kind of went on he was i was losing him you know what i mean and by the time <laughs> We got to the scene where the blind kids are like crawling around on the broken glass and they're like, she got out and they're bleeding. He's like, okay, I, I just, you know, <laughs> you are, you're fucked up. No. So <laughs> that he was out. <laughs> so that, that was what did it for him. Did him in. This is a weird film. I, I kind of, I, I like, I admire it for that though. 
like you it's said, very Nicole, it's like a gem from that time frame where it sticks out because of all the slick, you know, you know, slasher films that they were doing, like uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer and stuff like that. It definitely stands out amongst those. And May is such a socially awkward character. And I think the actress does such a good job. Yeah, I wanted to talk about her because she's one yeah, of my ahead. my pros for sure is her mm-hmm. performance because um, I feel like so first of all, Jacqueline, I'm sure you you feel the same way. This movie really, really feels a lot like Carrie. Yes. Um, between Carrie and then uh, May also feels like a real-life Sally from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, mm. I feel like those two things are really big influences. And um, so even though I'm not 100% sure how we're supposed to feel about May, I feel like... Angela Bettis was awesome. Like you just, she's 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 just so good as this character. And actually, she played Carrie. Yeah. They're in the remake like this same year, which I had forgotten completely about. Oh, yeah. and whenever I was it I the same that. year. Mm-hmm. It came oh, out well. It came shit. out in two thousand two. So I don't know if they were like filmed at the same time, but they came out the same year. Was it the um, series or the actual remake? No, it was the remake. The, okay. So not the like. So there was the twenty thirteen remake, but this right. was the. I think this was made for TV. Um, oh, it was made for TV, made for TV version. I think mm. so. I could be wrong about that. It feels like it. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Um, That's true. But it is interesting that she played kind of two different versions of this kind of same character. But just, I don't know, the way she, the way she like moves her body and like her little face is just so sweet when she's smiling and when she's being mm-hmm. so awkward and like trying to figure out like, oh, I like this boy, but like. How do I look at him? And like, how do I move my hands? <laughs> like, all of that stuff was um, was just really endearing, and I, I just can't even see another actress nailing I, it like she I did. I thought the chemistry totally. between uh, Jeremy Sisto and Angela Bettis was so almost perfect. Yeah, you know they 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 had this awkward kind of. You know, there were some scenes where it's they're on the laundromat. You know, it was just kind of this sweet thing. And then all of a sudden they break up or or he breaks up with her. You know, I, I, I just I thought the way this movie was filmed was so brilliant. You know, uh, it, like she came up to his door and he had broken up with her. But he's putting his hand out the door like like his his hands are, are what she's asphyxiated on. He's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, they so want him to keep it outside the he, door. He's yeah. got his hand outside where he's smoking a cigarette, and you don't see him. You hear him, and she's standing out there. No, I broke up with her. Blah blah blah. But it was like like the way that was shot was so beautiful. It was like yeah, the directing was in this movie was I thought really good. Agreed. And uh, like and even the way it was edited was was pretty cool. Like. Yeah. The very first shot, you know, you get that shot of her screaming and like there's blood coming out of her eye. And right. I thought that was a great setup because now we have all of this tension of like, okay, well, how are we going to get back to that point? Mm-hmm. Like, where do things go wrong? And there was a lot of that sort of like quick cutting at the end of a kind of disturbing scene. It would just cut to the next scene. And mm-hmm. it would often cut from like something horrific to, oh, it's daylight. And it made yeah. like sewing a dress. You know, yeah. there was like pretty cool contrast. I, I really liked it. Kind of also like kept the the pace going yeah you're right Nicole. It, it, it's like like how many times have they fucked up a movie where it's like they show the end of a movie at the beginning and you just don't it doesn't make any sense but that actually made a lot of sense and it mm-hmm. wrapped up so beautifully you know that editing style might actually represent sort of like her the way she her mind is too like every sometimes she's happy 
sometimes she's down or like weird, you know, weirded out or just sort of, you know, melancholy. So what are you saying? Mm -hmm. One thing I think the reason that that works or one of the reasons that that technique works in this movie, I think, is that, okay, we see she's had some kind of trauma to her eyeball, like her eyes bleeding. And then immediately we go back in time to her childhood and we see that she has a lazy eye and there's Mm -hmm. an eye patch and there's this, all this discussion about what her eye is doing and what the patch is going to do and how this affects her social abilities and her ability to make friends and her feelings about herself. And so it's, it's connected. It's not like, Oh, bleeding and screaming from the eye. And then we, when then we rewind back to like a normal childhood with no reference point here whatsoever, we have a, a something a, like a thread to connect it with. And so I think that's probably why it works. And also just the, the strength of her acting, like in that just couple of seconds where she's screaming and holding her eye, her voice sounds like she's in so much physical pain, but also she sounds like she's in emotional agony mm-hmm. as well. Like it's very heartbreaking, like just in that, you know, couple second scream crying. It's like, um, I mean, it just conveys so much. And so it it makes me care right away. Like, oh my God, what has happened to this poor woman? Well, and I need to see how we get you there. You do really care for May, actually. Like, she, she's a... I guess she, she's a protagonist, but, like, you, you care for her a lot. Like, you really want her to get the guy, and you want her to be happy and overcome her awkwardness. But ultimately, like, in the end, it's not meant to be. She's the antagonist, but but you kind of love her. Both. You, you, you fall in love with her of, like, just sympathizing and and it's like you know she does like, i like her as a character i loved her I, I i thought she was the best character of the movie mm-hmm. you know the jeremy sisto care sisto uh character really kind of just His name's adam what's that adam all right adam kind of added to what she was doing throughout the movie it was just like 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 her escalation of of, of going insane you know, because she was obsessed with his hands, you know, and then you find out why later. In well, the- I, oh, sorry, I thought you finished. No, go ahead. Go ahead well, so interestingly, Heidelberg just said she was a protagonist and John just said she was an antagonist. And I wanted to agree with what Nicole said earlier, which is like, I'm not sure how I feel about me. Like, I, I, I'm connected to her as a character, but I feel like she's, there's a lot of questions in my mind about like what she really is and like whether our feelings about her can be trusted. So I think that because she's like, I think it's, it's unclear whether she's a protagonist or an antagonist or an anti-hero or a villain or, or is it, is she a narcissist? I mean, there's like a lot, she's not a pure, like, I mean, really, when is a character ever purely good or evil? But I mean, she's there. There are some definite like ethical like conflicts about this character. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that a lot of times we as viewers are tempted to sort of like excuse or like gloss over some of the things that she's doing or some of her feelings and behaviors because she seems so vulnerable and she's so like physically delicate and you can tell that she's really extremely lonely and so you kind of like 
develop this like protective feeling over her. But if you take a step back, I think there's a lot to criticize about her, like as a character, not like, I'm not talking about the writing. I'm not talking about her acting. I'm talking about like her her as a character in this world. But she's, she's flushed out at the end of the movie of like what her intentions are. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, you don't know. She's bullied. She's got a lazy eye. Um, you know, her upbringing is not great either. Not at all. No, like she sucks her thumb as an adult. And yeah. that's a, like a sign that most people that if you, if you see, ever see an adult who sucks their thumb, there's normally something wrong with childhood trauma or sometimes like their upbringing. True. It's I, a thought very childish her, thing. I thought when she was sucking her thumb, it was like from the, the self-inflicted wound. Now they talk thumb. about that later. I don't know if she was doing it prior maybe she was to me it looked like she was just sucking her thumb like a child mm. well hannah ferris does it later in the movie yeah later because of the where, the where she's like mm-hmm. sucking her thumb just but but not in displeasure of like like my thumb hurts it's just i just took it as because she's at, like she's very childlike me yeah, yeah she, is. she hasn't really grown up like a normal you know child so since we're talking about her character um I do want to go ahead and bring up some of the problems that I had with this movie because it's relevant at this point. Um, but I felt like, like I said, because I, I one, I don't know how really to feel about her, but also I felt like there's like a mean streak in this movie kind of towards her. Um, because so this movie is very weird and very unsettling and very dark. Well, I like dark movies. Like I like a good world shaking dark movie. But this, but I didn't like the way this one made me feel. And so I kept trying to figure out like, okay, why? This is weird and it's dark, but I don't like it. So why, you know, what's what's going on with that? And I think it's because there's sort of this kind of hopelessness. And the reason why I feel like there's a little bit of a mean streak towards her is because like, so we meet, we meet her and we see she's very awkward. And then like, I thought that Adam like wasn't going to be into her, but he was into her. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, this is very sweet. But then he very quickly goes from, like, being interested to her in her her, to just being, like, a regular jackass. Like, you know, they kiss, and he's like, ooh, who taught you how to kiss? And I'm like, well, she's already told you she's never had a boyfriend, so, like, maybe cut her some slack. And then, like, pretty immediately after that, which I know, he, he totally, like, she made him bleed and he freaked her out. So, like, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, it was totally made sense for him to exit that relationship. But there was no conversation about we just want different things. It was just very much like, well, you're just weird. And I don't want to be with you. And I'm not going to answer mm-hmm. your phone calls. It just, he, he just turned, he just turned into like a typical jackass guy you would see in like any teen movie. And, and so I didn't, I didn't like that. And, um, I don't know. It just felt, it, it felt like the movie wasn't rooting for her. And I, and, and like you said, I, I agree that, you know, she's not like, she's not necessarily the protagonist. So it's not like I expected kittens and rainbows for her, but I don't know. There was just this, this angle about her that I didn't like. And, um, it also kind of played into the stereotype for me of like, Oh, the weird girl's a psycho. Like don't date the weird girl because she's going to get jealous and kill your girlfriend. So I was like, you know, I um, those things just sort of rubbed me the the wrong way, and I feel like I need probably more time to like sit with it and think about it. But those are those are some of just the conflicts that I had. I love the fact that they 
<clears throat> attached her to the blind kids that, that that she felt more attached to them or or wanted to be a part of them i think they could have explored that a lot more because there was the um <clears throat> what was the girl's name anna uh polly 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 yeah uh, uh where she was making a ashtray no no that's pete oh the little girls oh yeah that was it yeah it was pete and it was just like you know, that played an integral part of the storyline of where Petey was making an ashtray. And it's like, well, you smoke, you know, you, you can smell it on her. And, you know, she had the ashtray later and she kills the cat. And it was just like, OK, so she's a vet tech or whatever she was. And it was just like, I kind of love the way that was interweaved with each other hmm. of, her, of her, you know, just being awkward and just doing your own thing, but like going to volunteer with blind kids and, you know, it just, it, it didn't make any sense of, okay, this glass breaks. I want to see your best friend. And these kids are climbing through glass. And it was just like, Oh man. That's another me. thing. Even the blind kids weren't nice to her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Petey well, made her an ashtray and then, and then Petey made her an ashtray and then broke her doll. Yeah, <laughs> they wanted to play with the doll. Yeah, yeah I, she didn't so. mean to I mean, they're just, she was I mean, never they're just allowed kids. to do. It makes yeah. zero, it made zero sense of why <laughs> that dropped weird. down, and it's like these kids are crawling through. We just want to see the doll, and it's like you can't see the doll. We just what? <laughs> but then once the doll breaks out, that's when she starts killing. I understand, but it, it mm. made zero sense. Of it released her. The why of. Okay, so this glass is breaking. You hear through throughout the movie, it was like, you know, just the cracking of the glass, and it was like, yeah. so these kids are the ones that really released the demon. I guess I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I agree with that interpretation. I kind of I kind of read it as like these are children who are like um, who like are deprived of one of their primary senses and are curious they're they i think they feel like they're making a connection with may like she's there to to be with them and to help them out and they're curious about her and the doll i think is i interpret the doll as like sort of an extension of her like her avatar in a way mm-hmm. and i, get I think that, it's but, like but, but, a curiosity about her that maybe we're not supposed to take it totally literally and it creates like a very bizarre but disturbing like the, image what nicole was saying is right is that 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 it's almost like they're making fun of her like she's the outcast, right? That's on her. I feel like she makes herself the outcast sometimes in certain situations. I just think I that think scene was I think she's not capable. Way. I think she really doesn't know mm-hmm. how to behave the way that mm-hmm. other people behave. And I think that's a puzzle to her. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, the way that she behaves is the only thing she knows how to do. And as as a person who has always like, viewed herself at least up to a certain point in life as like very awkward which is why I sort of related to this movie especially in my early 20s it's <laughs> like oh like okay a movie about a weird girl like me like I see myself in this mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um so, Nicole to your to your point about like reinforcing the stereotype of oh the weird girl is a psycho like don't date her I actually felt pretty empowered by this movie in my early 20s when I really identified with her as like a creepy girl and not just a weird girl but like specifically an awkward 
person <laughs> who like mm-hmm. sometimes did not like understand how to like uh, socially interact with people and uh, even at almost age 40 still sometimes finds that a, a little bit puzzling but uh, I, I felt like it was kind of empowering like I felt when she kind of has that transition and becomes more powerful it's not unlike those scenes in like ginger snaps where ginger comes into her own after going mm-hmm. through this transition and in Jennifer's body where she becomes yeah. like kind of more fully like formed and like confident and 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 sort of transformed after this uh trans literally transformative experience uh i kind of group it group it in with that and i and i was rooting for her harder than ever at that moment even though what she's doing is morally reprehensible but it felt like she was finally powerful and finally confident in doing something and um all of a sudden she sort of did know how to interact with people and and sort of put on that normal costume you know Jacqueline, I, mean? I agree with you definitely 100 percent. and that's some of my favorite parts of the film is when she comes into her own mm-hmm. and we see her so confident and yeah she's like she starts making her own clothes like really nice and putting together these nice outfits and she's definitely got a confidence to her <clears throat> you see um they, i don't feel like they over sexualize her in that part but no. she's definitely more I mean, she's sexy but it's yeah. just she yeah. comes across as a little bit more sexy in that scene just because mm-hmm. of her confidence. But yeah, I like when she changes. goes to Adam's house and that scene she has with like the roommates and stuff like or the girlfriend, like it's just so it's so sh- it's shot really well. Or like mm-hmm. the um when she kills um Anna, Anna Polly and then mm-hmm. kills the blonde when she's like, do a spin for me. And she's just like telling her what to do. Well, do you notice how? Throughout the whole movie, Anna Ferris, uh, sorry, uh, Polly is calling her doll. Mm-hmm. And it's like she kind of is like the doll, you know? And yeah. then after May goes through her transformation and she's she's kind of like the aggressor and she's working on like fulfilling her Frankenstein vision, basically. Um, she's talking to the girl with the legs and she calls her doll. Yeah. She's like, do a little spin for me, doll. And then she ends up using the, her legs mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. doll that she's making. So, because um, at first I was like annoyed by the constant doll. I'm like, okay, we don't need this anachronism. Like nobody really says that, but. Um, in California, that's why. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, like literally doll. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that character also, Polly's character, she was, you know, she was very offbeat as well and had a kind of a strange way of talking anyway. Can- so it didn't it didn't seem like a like a totally you know off base thing that she would she would say. Can we? Well, talk that's about one of my Anna criticisms for a minute. Yeah, that I, I hate almost all of her dialogue. So that yeah, her, it wasn't her, like yeah. her acting's <laughs> terrible, and she's yeah. got some great lines though. Like you should call me someday. We'll hang out and eat some melons or something. <laughs> what the fuck? And then There's I know you weird... need beauty rest. Not much of it though. In an awkward, sexy voice. I just think she was horrible. And then th- th- she can't read. They make fun of that several times. What? She has really trouble, like Anna Ferris, not her character Polly, like has trouble reading. Like, and she can't, words she can't, well, she can't understand the doctor because he has just such an accent. Oh, and no, May but like when she's reading exactly stuff, what he's saying. She makes, uh, she makes mistakes like constantly. And was it the doctor like Borat's like, assistant? He was. It, uh, that was the, the guy, guy from right? the Borat film. Yeah, you see okay. like his taint and balls in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! It's that like running around naked. Hard hotel. turn. <laughs> such, a, such a guy thing. Sorry. <laughs> you do though, but yeah, I thought Anna Faris. She was my major gripe about this film. Like she took me out of it. 
Uh, she's just she uh, not, a great not for me. Not uh, no. I, I I thought she played stupid perfectly. You know. Yeah, she did. I think she does that in all her films. Oh God. For me, I didn't. I didn't view her as stupid. I just I, found I all either. of her dialogue completely unbelievable. Like in no yeah. universe does somebody talk like this with this cadence and this choice of words and so i just didn't it, it doesn't hit for me oh on that note can we talk about mohawk dude also yes. oh, oh. <laughs> eat some jujubes yeah, <laughs> please can we talk about mohawk dude? I, because, I can live uh, off these things man he takes his shirt off at may's house and he's like oh, you have any ice cubes to rub on my nipples because it's so hot honestly the dialogue's so bad but i'm gonna be honest like i've never tried that before when entertaining a female so i don't know maybe it works may throw him out yeah well she did that's like the first kill too right yeah she needed his tattoos yeah that'd be bad oh that was a dope kill though his hand above above his head and like the blood yeah that was a cool kill it was awesome and the way they shot it like her running at him but the blood looked terrible it looked like it too bright. Jallo blood. It, it, from a no, it looked like Kool Aid. That's what it looked like. It looked like Italian. Well, that's what Jallo blood looks like. Yeah. Sometimes. It's like also, neon. I feel like they. I feel like they probably did that because they could figure out. Okay, how do we stab this guy in the head and make it look real? Oh, let's yeah. do this instead. Like, so that's uh that's Defensive you know, one. it's creative. It's creative. It was a dope kill, but it's just it, it didn't look good. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> It was weird, though, because the acting and dialogue on most of the characters and interactions between them is really good between Adam mm-hmm. and May. But I, I find Anna Faris's character and this Mohawk dude just kind of stand out. I don't know if it's because it's California. It's supposed to be sort of no offense, John, but like the oh, Mohawk guy, she oh. found out he was on a bus stop. He had, he had a crazy Mohawk like it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. So like I get it. But his just delivery was just so like, ooh, yo, oh, God. here's a glimpse behind the scenes. That's how John really talks when we're not recording yeah, our podcast he, he talks just oh, like mohawk guy it's san diego and it's so beautiful out today hey dude all right I just I, I, i'm just trying to make nipples. friends okay i just want to talk and eat jujubees friends be, <laughs> i can live off these fucking things all right is there some reference here that i that just went over my head like is there some no thing about jujubees or melons or something like the whole melon thing was weird too i don't fucking know i mean it was weird. a reference that John, do you guys eat a lot of melons in uh like no, you we, wanna hang, when I get out there one day, you want to hang out and eat some melons or what? No, we'll eat avocados. Not <laughs> that's a given, but and rub some ice on your nipples when it gets hot. John, I'll rub <laughs> the ice on your nipples. How about that? So I'm that kind of guy. Who are you talking to? John. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you guys think about Adam's little short film? Uh, I actually, actually love it. I I love that. I actually really love that. It was it was like did what did too. you think, Nicole? I I did too. I thought it was like super charming and like I loved that as it went on, May kept like scooting closer and she was like, Oh yeah, you're my kind of person. Yeah. So I really wanted it to work out after that, yeah, you know? You but <laughs> yeah, Nicole, like, I agree. Go ahead. Did you feel like like uh, uh, an homage to Night of the Living Dead a little bit? Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. That's what but I yeah, think I, every time. I, I just loved the like fifties like rockabilly song, and yeah. you know it just keeps getting more and more horrific. I was yeah. like, and what, it was only what like may, not even five minutes long, probably, yeah. but yeah, I thought it was ten out of ten. Yes, <laughs> the way they sexualized it was like 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 actually kind of erotic. Where where you're like, oh my god, really? Whoa! <laughs> if some dude made that movie and then invited me over to watch it, I'd be like, my heart is yours. You would have made out. That's with him what May thought. I would have made out with him and asked him to wear some Tommy 
<laughs> Sorry, I forgot we were talking about that before we started recording. Yeah. Get naked and bite my inner thigh. Go ahead. Whoa. Whoa. But Nicole, Nicole, I do no agree with you, him. though. I feel like the rug kind of gets pulled out from under May. Like, he tells her he likes weird girls and he seems into it at first. Like, she's like, embarrassed at the beginning of their, you know, interactions. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't worry, I like weird. And he seems... Yeah curious about her like you know he's down for the ride and he makes this fucked up film that would suggest that he actually does like weird like that this is like backing up his assertion but that it's like she bites his lip it's kind of unfair like where is the what said she bites his lip and then smears the blood all over her face i I mean honestly is that so bad here's the Uh, thing here's 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 the problem with it is that he clearly wanted to stop and like she wouldn't stop like yeah, that's if, true. That's the thing. You know, She's if pushy. she if she would have if she would have stopped, I think things could have maybe been we could have righted the ship. But like <laughs> because she because she is so socially awkward, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't read cues well, yeah. and she so like he 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 asked her a few times like stop, and she like wouldn't. So he totally was justified and like I I can't do this. I got to peace out. But yeah, again, I just think that they could have had a next conversation. Instead of just goodbye, you're trash. Adam, <laughs> yeah, like she doesn't. It's not Adam, fair. Like Adam, she doesn't know where the poser. line is. No, Adam, he's a poser. He's yes. A poser. Well, but he did that. make this like weird, gory, fucked up film. Like, mm-hmm. is he really a poser or just like? No, he's there's a, a line that's there's totally a line that's that's higher than we thought it was. He, he's like every other like douchebag guy because he lied about like. <laughs> There's a really subtle scene in the uh, uh, laundromat where he's like, oh, this isn't working. She goes over there. She puts it in. It works fine. Because he wanted to leave. He made up an excuse. I get that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was just among us. He was also. No, I understand that. But but he was a total poser, like pussy guy. It it was just like. Mm, I don't know. I I wouldn't say that. That might be true, but not because of the laundromat thing. No. I think he was just put in a weird situation and he didn't deal with it. You know, what was he? Yeah, exactly. I've definitely lied to get out of us. The more he talked to her, the more she would have still thought that they had a thing. So he tried to just cut it off. And she didn't get that because, like you said, but she doesn't he get. Lie to her. He, he was doesn't like, get I, I, social cues. She yeah, she's like, "You gonna call me?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Listen, you need to be honest with but this." The norm, girl. A normal person would have picked up on all that and been like, "Yeah, right. he doesn't want me." But, but she's not capable of that. Yeah, the, honestly, I think that is kind of one thing that just breaks my heart about May is that, like you said, she doesn't know how to be any other way, and no, no one, like, kind of, no one meets her where she is. Yeah. Even Polly, who it seems like, oh, Polly's really into her, and even Polly, like, we find out, oh no, Polly's just out there just banging just whoever, bang, and yeah. no. you know, she <laughs> says that May is her favorite, but it's like. Is she really? I think I mean, May was a conquest that she hadn't gotten yet. That's why. Yeah. So it just seems like no one really, really makes any effort to yeah. like kind of meet May where she is. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe uh, there is no saving her or there's nothing anybody could do. But it, we don't ever see somebody fully come kind of like into her world and into her space. People mm-hmm. kind of visit and quickly leave. I, I thought a so, nipple guy tried. He was I, trying. I, so, I Nick. Nicole, I think, can I just say one thing? Cause it's like so relevant. Um, I think that that is like the crux of her desire to be seen. Like she says repeatedly throughout the movie, like first she's talking to Susie and she's like, you see, you're my best friend. Cause you see me. 
Mm-hmm. It's like she really wants to be understood. And then at the very mm-hmm. end, like the to me, the most heartbreaking moment is when she's finished her creature mm-hmm. and it's like just what she wants and she's really happy with it. And you see her like gazing lovingly at it. And then there's something that changes. Like she realizes something and she backs away and looks horrified. And, and then you find out she's like, you can't see me. You can't see no. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when she has this total, she's like screaming, like, see me. And that's when she gouges out her own eye and like sacrifices her own eye to like, you know, give it to this thing that she's yeah. made. And I think that's like what she really wants. And so she took I out her lazy eye, though, the, the the one that was like, like, oh, yeah, yeah you give the, damage. Out, the crappier eye. Yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah. Well, I think I that mean, also maybe is, you know, indicative of like she needs it's almost like she's the only person that's capable of seeing herself how she really is. And so mm-hmm. when she gives her creation and like her eye, it's a piece of herself. Yeah. So she feels more connected to it. Well, which... that's why it's so sad is because she cannot get it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And she so that's her, she child. has to, she has to get, it has to be an extension of herself. Well, and maybe it is, but the, the eyeball rolls out. So it falls well, like in, be- in, in between the cracks. It's like, really i it was like i don't know i had a problem with that it was just no it's in at the end isn't it no so no well she cuddled up with it and it rolled off i don't think that really matters so much it's still like what do you think about the end where the hand comes up and loved it yeah i did i did i liked that i liked it It, that consoles her yeah i like that where it was just like okay i i care for you but then like the eyeball that she takes out of her own head rolls off and it's, it's just a little, like a little weird she never gave it a head no would that I think, make it too i think personal? that was a practical like, i think it's a practical issue i think they couldn't yeah. like I, I don't think they would have had the budget to make like a believable corpse head okay mm-hmm. that's how or, i it would have made it, it too personal of a thing like it would have looked more too much like somebody there was a lot of continuity so. with that her. though it, it, it was like the body parts that she kept mentioning throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah. you got nice yams or legs. And Did you just say yams? That's what she calls them. <laughs> yeah, that's, Gam- that's yams. 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 Not yams. It's not I'm Thanksgiving. Sorry. Yams. Nice yams. I'm going to say uh, that next time I see a hot woman. I'm just going to be like, nice yams. We're just talking about the woman's legs. Yeah, uh, like sweet yams. Neck, sweet potatoes. Uh, the hands the i actually thought that was kind of a, a chilling thing is that you know sweet may and you think she's like oh she's giving you a compliment and it's like oh you don't yeah. know at the end yeah she will steal she's, your neck she's gonna take them she's gonna i take love them. that scene with adam too when she's like he's like what are you reading he's like uh, a book about amputations and she's yeah. like oh for work exactly. he's like, she's like for, no, fun. Just for fun just for fun just for fun so innocently at the park too like sitting under a tree just like reading that it was just like <laughs> Oh, okay. Her story about putting her hands in the cat and like. Yeah. You know who would be a good friend to May? Have you guys ever seen American Mary? Yes. Mary Mason and May could be good friends. Oh, my God. Mary Mary and May. May. Yeah. Nicole, let's write this movie together. Yeah. What are the Soskas up to? Not much, I don't think, right now. Let's get them on the horn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure they're listening right now. They are. As we know, they're long, long time listeners of this podcast. (laughs) If you're out there, girls, ladies, we have a million dollars. DM us. 
DM us. Yeah. No, but you're right, Nicole. I agree with you. That could be a good double feature, actually, those two movies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of end a teeny bit similarly as well. I don't remember how American Mary ends. I'm going to have to revisit that. Yeah. Well, I'll, we can maybe talk about it off the podcast. Okay. I hate to spoil it for anyone. Or maybe I'll pick it sometime and you'll come back. Oh, I geez. I would love to talk about American Mary. I really would. I've never talked about it anywhere, so would love to talk about it. I've heard you talk about it on your previous Women in Horror month. Well, episodes. a little bit, a little bit, but I've Not never, depth, but. yeah, I've never been able to have an in-depth conversation about it with anybody. Recorded. Uh, I've probably, you know, worked lots of people over <laughs> with <laughs> <laughs> candid conversations about it, but n- no official conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, one Nicole, of the things, Nicole, oh, sorry, go ahead. You'll be our first time guest oh all right. my, we need some ideas for after july so all yeah. right uh so a question that i wanted to ask you guys about may is um is she i think there's well do you think she's narcissistic mm. i think she gets there I mean, she's an only child so it's only always been about her no but, no i, I, mean, I I, think I, I didn't find her narcissistic, though. The reason I asked this question is that, uh, you know, we already talked about her her re- recurring thing about see me. And it's like, is this a like reasonable desire that she has, like a normal human desire? Or does it go beyond that where it's like it's all she cares about and it's like her own view yeah, of I herself? I don't think she's ever had and anybody. Also, what you well, well, but. Another facet to it, though, is like when you think about again, like she seems so sweet, but if you think about it, she's really judgmental and she's really incapable of tolerating flaws Mm -hmm. in others. Like she's always, I mean, from the get go, she's saying, oh, so many pretty parts, but no pretty holes. And she she doesn't like people once they show her you know, a negative side of themselves. And she's willing to discard, like she's really critical of um, Paul, the birthmark on Polly's finger. Mm. She's like, like, she's totally disgusted. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that's kind of a recurring theme. Yeah. And Polly even says that, I think it was her, she said her grandmother told her that like the imperfections are what make you interesting or beautiful or something. And mm-hmm. I thought May needs to take that to heart. Mm-hmm. She I guess might, you could, you could might be that. more comfortable with herself if she thought that, you know. Mm-hmm. She might have. That might have been a, a quality that grew in her over time because of the way she hated her own eye. Mm-hmm. So she started mm-hmm. judging other people based on flaws because she mm-hmm. hated her own. She might have. I, I I thought there was a really pivotal scene at the beginning that that you know this kid goes up to her and says, "Are you a pirate?" And she goes, "No." And then yeah. all the kids walk away from her. And, and the doll, the mother would not allow her to take the doll out of the case, right? So had it, st- mm-hmm. it had to stay perfect, right, in perfect condition, right, right? And even as an adult, when she wasn't under her mother's supervision anymore, she still kept it in the case. She never took it out, mm-hmm. and so that became like a huge thing for her. Yeah, and it's I like guess, an obsession. Yeah. She inherited her mother's yeah. obsession with perfection. Yeah. Well, and did you notice too, um, in in those first scenes with her family they looked very like all american 50s like her mom had the perfect hair and the mm-hmm. the, the tailored dress and their house was very white picket fence and um 
so that sort of backs up that idea of, you know, an ideal of perfection for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I also wondered, like, we don't see her family again. And I kept wondering in the back of my mind, are we going to find her family stashed in a freezer somewhere? <laughs> like, did she kill her family first? Like, I feel like, where's her family? And Nicole, mm-hmm. you brought that up. It, it, the dad was like a, a bald guy. Like, maybe it was a stepdad or something. You know, like, like he was just because he was about uh, May, but the mom was just like, no, she's got to be perfect or whatever. I don't know. I didn't see him as a stepdad, but I don't I don't know if it how much that mattered. But yeah, Nicole, I during the those scenes with her family and her home uh, as a child, I kind of got like Tim Burton vibes like. You know his view of like the perfect family and how it's like a little cartoonish, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it kind of reminded me of the the Tim Burton style. But I have yeah. a uh, thought on the film too. I, I might be just reaching, but um, I wrote down it. It reminds me of like a Maniac remake, but aimed at younger women in the early two thousands. Like the way um, she was like putting together like a body and going out and killing people and then the way it ends with her with the body and then the body coming alive and consoling her and the and the other in the other movie like the women come in and kill uh, spoilers for maniac but like he's delusional to the point where he believes what he's creating is real too that's a good point that's a that's an interesting comparison i just sort of got some yeah some um some threads from that movie like uh, yeah so maniac may american mary American Mary, I've never seen. I got to see that. Oh, Hyderberg. It's good. It's good. It's real good. Yeah. And, you know, in Maniac, in Maniac, he's also like judging his victims. Mm -hmm. Like he's killing them because he thinks they're like whores. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because of his weird like mommy relationship. He's much more sadistic than May, but still. Yeah. It had similar themes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I've heard if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, this has like pretty high percentage scores, um, but people seem to repeatedly call it a slasher. Do you guys view mm-hmm. this as a slasher? Because I was like, Rrr? Not really? I mean, yeah, <laughs> no. she does some slashing, but maybe no. it's like a thriller. It's not know. shot like a slasher. No. I don't think it has any of the like typical beats of no. a slasher movie just because she kills some people at the yeah. end. Like, I just With don't think that's enough to make it a slasher. I thought that was that's- weird. No. That's what happens, though. It, it's at the very end, and it's just like this buildup of psychology of like her mind of like. Would you call this a psychological thriller? I would. Like, like what kind of film would you call this? A porno? I don't know. <laughs> I think I don't, it, I don't. I think it's just horror. I don't think it really fits into any yeah, any subgenre and, and a little bit of just drama. I think people who aren't horror fans but like a weird drama would still like this. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I like I don't feel like there's really much suspense in this movie. No. Like to me a thriller is kind of defined by suspense and I True. just don't feel that here so much. You so, know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with Nicole of, of of May's like journey throughout this movie. I mean there's there's suspense there. Well, there's that's just like the kind of typical narrative the, the typical narrative suspense of like wanting to know what happens next, but that's like yeah. any story. But for me, a mm-hmm. thriller is like, it's like a smaller scale, like 
um, suspense within a scene where you're like fearful for a character and you uh-huh. don't know what's going to happen in that moment. I, like I when don't she know. Kills Polly. There could have been more suspense to that if there was a, if this was a thriller. I'm curious. Well, yeah, and it didn't it didn't feel up. suspenseful. Yeah. It felt like then inevitable. You knew she was going to kill her. her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was right. like, oh, she's right. going to get get that no, neck. Understood, but <laughs> were, they were satisfying, right? The kills. Yeah. Yes. Like every time she killed somebody, you were like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love the <laughs> the foreshadowing to her um, taking Adam's hands where she has the little like boxing figure and you see yeah. her early in the movie, like snipping off the hands yeah. with her scissors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Also, Adam totally bitches out when when the time comes, when push comes to shove, like when when she kills his girlfriend, he's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like he could have punched her. He could have done something. <laughs> He just sort of gives up. He like falls on the floor. We're we're really giving him a hard time, but I just I just found him so interesting at first. The fact that he ended up being just a regular dude just really bummed me out. (laughs) I I do give him certain credit though for (laughs) at least the initial like tolerance of her weirdness. Like the fact that he was like falling asleep at a table and woke up to her caress like a stranger caressing his face is like I don't know a single person who would really get beyond that, but he's like, all right, I'll let that one go. And then like days later, they're like on a date and he's like, so why were you touching my face? And like <laughs> To me, that seems like it would be kind of a pressing question, but yeah. uh, he's, he just kind of went with it. And I give him credit for like tolerating some of the, the weirdness, you know, he, he puts up with the, the gross veterinary surgery stories and Oh, that bothered he's, me. He's kind of put off his lunch, but he, he goes with it. Yeah. About using the cat sutures for the dog. Yeah. That bothered me and her killing her cat. The, the casual animal violence in this and then movie she really bothered the, she kept me. the cat around and was like petting it later. It it in the like sprays it with the Lysol. It's like, it with the Lysol. Oh, my God. That really bothered me. Uh, so okay. Weird. But can I say one thing, though? Like, cats can be such bitches and you could be like you could be sitting on the floor crying your eyes out with a broken heart and you just want to like snuggle with your pet and you're like come here loopy and then the cat's like fuck no and walks away (laughs) you know listen we may be getting we're getting valuable insight into may's character here because maybe you're right about her being a narcissist because maybe (laughs) if she really wanted to be loved but also give love she would have dog Instead yeah, of a cat. Yeah. I'm sorry. What are you saying about cat owners? <laughs> I mean, I have Excuse a cat. <laughs> but if you want an animal to pick up on your vibe, dogs are really good at that. Cats are not I, it. No, they're not. They're, they That's don't care if you're sad. They don't, they don't care. I mean, they don't care about anything. She was smoking a cigarette. She had these this ashtray from a blind girl that she made it for her, apparently, and threw it at the cat and killed it. So. Yeah. It was a it was a quick reaction. She didn't, I'm just I don't saying. Think I can understand. Cat. She was just frustrated. <laughs> you know what? She might be a narcissist because it's gonna be me, right? So <laughs> it's like, gonna be me. It's gonna, be me. gonna be me. So who knows? Wait, wait to tie it together. Bom, bom. <laughs> All right. Any other like major points uh, that um, people want to discuss before so we? So this was this was an indie film, right? Was this released oh, in yeah. theaters? It did have a like a limited theatrical release. It did not do well at the box no. office. It did not recoup its budget, but uh, it did later become sort of a cult classic and and sort of come to life. What was the budget? I enjoy it more now. 
The budget was one point seven million, and I that's believe it so made tiny. That you know, is so tiny. And it made like a six hundred and fifty k or so. Oh, in that's theaters. bullshit. All right. Yeah, but I, I think it has come to recoup that in like DVD sales and like streaming. Was this stuff. this was an Anna Ferris before Scary Movie? She had done Scary Movie before this, right? It was after some of the scary was, movies. like after like the first one. Yeah, scary movies at what, least 99? the first one. That was. Jeez. I don't remember. They started pumping those things out though year after year though. So who knows? Yeah. It might have been two scary, scary movies. movies. I think this was post scary movie one yeah, at right. least. And maybe yeah. two, but I'm not I'm not sure on the dates of those. Yeah, I was surprised to see her. I was like, this is a little early for her, I think. She had dark hair I'm, too. So so maybe she did in plus. the she did in the first scary movie, at least that's, the first one too. Yeah. Two thousand and one. So Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have these or things 2000. in Hollywood. I'm sorry. They're called wigs. No, scary movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was her real hair. It might have been. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, scary They're pretty movie. convincing too. Scary movie was 2000. So this okay. was. Okay. Yeah. She did scary movie before this movie. Yeah, because I don't remember her at all before scary movie. So I was wondering, was this before that or not? Yeah. And, and Jeremy what... Sisto, of course, I know from 1995's Clueless. Anyone? Yes. Clueless. Jeez. Elton, Nicole, are you with me? You look puzzled. You look like, <laughs> oh, you're, not, you're not with me on this. Uh, oh, I'm not with you because I've never seen Clueless. What? <laughs> oh my god! I don't I know. We friends. It's just I don't know. It's a it's it's a blind spot. I don't I don't okay. know what to tell you. All right. But I don't know what I was doing in 1995, but it wasn't watching Clueless. I guess. <laughs> Had you seen Jeremy Sisto before? Yeah, I've seen him in a few things. I, I cannot remember what. He's one of those guys, though, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. So <laughs> Hold on a second. Is he a good looking guy? To me, he wasn't. To me, he was just kind of like this. He's like an awkwardly good looking guy. He's not your conventional good looking guy. I think he is in May, but like Norm, when I've seen him before, I don't think I've ever thought he was good looking. But I yeah, I, I thought I that swag, though. Yeah, he just, I mean, he was, he's not, yeah, he's not typical, but like May wouldn't be attracted to typical, right? But he's got the hair and he's got great tall. Hands. And yeah, great I like hair. the Vinnie, the Vinnie Barbarino hair. Yeah. <laughs> and his hands are so nice. Nice call. The hand model ones. So. <laughs> I actually didn't think his hands hair. were that, I didn't think his hands were that sexy yeah. person. No, he's a mechanic. I did find it really endearing, though, that she liked his hands. Like, just the way, I just thought it was so sweet. Doesn't Up end up being sweet. With a rubber hose. <laughs> <laughs> Signed Epstein's mother. Anyway, um, <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, any other major points, or did we pretty much cover it? I, I Sounds like we covered it. Okay, I think we covered it. Let's give okay. our ratings. Jacqueline, you go first. This is your pick. All right. I think this is a very creative movie with a, a very unique style on the part of the writer and director, Lucky McKee. Um, I think that so many of the little choices about this movie were so good, like the weird music uh, throughout the whole movie and just the sort of the color palette. And there's some like dark humor in it, um, in my opinion, like the dog, the, the guy who comes in, he's like, my dog only has three legs. I don't know where his leg is. What and then he finds there? the leg later. and yeah. Um, uh, there's a humorous moment after she's gone on her killing spree and it shows the shower running and like kind of she's scrubbing her leg but then oh, it yeah. pans backwards and she's scrubbing the severed leg that has blood all over that. it 
Um, so just some kind of like dark humor that I, that I enjoy. Uh, I think Angela Bettis's performance is just like top notch, like 10 out of 10. I think she captures the character perfectly. She's vulnerable, but like, I can understand how she's so weird that people would be turned off by it. But then that makes me feel for her more because she can't help it. And then I'm like rooting for her when she gets all sexy and like cool. And I love the moment when she's like getting out of the elevator and she like kicks the cooler back with her foot so she can roll it out of the elevator. And then on the street, some kid is like, got any cold ones in there? And she's like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I just love her. I think it's like such a fascinating arc and the imagery is so fucking weird. Like the blind kids crawling on the floor and this weird doll that she keeps in a case and the psychological exploration of this character. I just, I love it. Um, Oh, when she like rubs her eyes and she's got glass in her hands and she cuts up her eyes. It's so cringy. It's like, it hurts. It hurts. I, I have to rub my eyes when I see that. Um, and it's and it's so heartbreaking, ultimately. Like, there's so much emotional, there's just so much pathos in this. She's not a perfect character. I've, you know, highlighted some character flaws in her. Um, but I think ultimately she's like a heartbreaking character that despite her flaws, you can't help but feel for. Um, I just, I, I think it's fantastic. Honestly, really the only complaint and it's a strong complaint but the only complaint that I have about this movie is like some really really bad dialogue for the characters of Polly and the the punk guy and um and I don't know how much of that is well I don't know how much of that is dialogue and how much of that is acting I think it's probably both in the in those particular cases but everything else I think is like it's it's kind of just how I would want it to be. Um, even Nicole, what you were talking about before with um, Jeremy Sisto's character just turning out to be like a regular dude. It's like, I don't think that's like a flaw in the movie. I think it's like an opportunity for May to be really disappointed and for us to to feel that with her. Like, man, we thought you were different. And she's and, and not only is she disappointed, but she's confused because clearly a line has been crossed and she didn't understand where it was. Um, so I think it's like, I think it's a character that a lot of people can relate to, not the like homicidal, you know, craziness, but just like feeling awkward sometimes and not knowing how to act and not understanding why people respond to you in the way you do. I think it's a movie about really profound loneliness and desperation for human connection and who can't relate to that sometimes. So that along with all the creative choices and just the, the, the quirkiness, the dark, dark quirkiness it just really hits for me so i give it 8.5 out of 10 disembodied eyeballs <laughs> nicole what say you um okay so like i said earlier um i do think that may is a little bit of a gem especially for its time um i think that it offered something that we weren't getting a lot of in the horror genre at the time and um, also, like I said, I think if I had seen this when it first came out, I, I would have been like really vibing with it. Um, so all of that is like, I can look at that kind of separate from my problems with it and appreciate all of those things and sort of understand what it is. Um, 
so I mean I think it's like scrappy and it has a lot of heart behind it um you can tell that the director like obviously has sort of like a unique voice and kind of vision that again is just sort of separate from what else was going on at the time and I really really appreciate that um however I did I just this movie was a bummer and you know I I really enjoy like a dark depressing movie but for some reason like this this one just there's something there's a thread in it that just really just uh, unsettled me and like sort of rubbed me the wrong way um and I like I said I think part of that is is I just feel like there's just kind of this mean streak for May and Maybe I'm supposed to feel that way because, like Jacqueline said, she's this conflicted character and there's there's all these things going on and we're not really sure what's going on with her. Um, but I do think that it kind of, like, pulls her out a little bit and it's just like, look at this, look how crazy she is. Like, May's a freak. And, and I don't like that, you know. Um, I don't mind that she ends up being a killer. I mean, we know that's where it's going. But there's there's just something about the way they go about it that, that rubs me the wrong way. Um, and I think does just a little bit of a disservice to her character because of that. Um, and I mentioned Carrie earlier and how this kind of reminds me of Carrie, but I think the difference between May and Carrie is that they have very similar kind of arc, but to me, Carrie, like we see that she does have a strength and an autonomy and a power kind of in spite of her obstacles. And even though, Spoiler alert for Carrie, even though she also ends up dead at the end, I feel like she's got her, she's had her redemption, she's kind of figured things out, she's sort of embraced who she is, and her powers and her weirdness, and it it kind of comes full circle, and I think there's a little bit of something in May that just doesn't quite, like, connect um, with me on that, on that journey. Um, But anyway, to bring it back around to the positive side, um, I really, really liked the end a lot. Um, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen once she got the doll put together. And the, when we get the little moment where the doll basically comes to life and his, its hand comes around and she just, she just has a smile on her face. Like she's at peace and she's happy. And, um, you know, I feel like she's a hundred percent going to get caught for this murder and it yeah. is not going to work out for her, but that little like tiny sliver of hope for her is a little bit of one I needed. Like, it was a little bit of, like, okay, like, it's not great. It's messed up. But May <laughs> is getting, like, a little bit of, like, what she needs. And so that made me, that made me feel, that made me feel happy. Um, and it was, like, just, like I said, just a sliver of hope and an otherwise, like, really depressing story. So um, I am going to give it, I'm kind of, been kind of going back and forth, waffling a little bit here. But I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. That's fair. I actually thought you were going to go go lower, so I'm. That's. Cool. I thought about doing a six, but after <laughs> this conversation, this is always what happens. After this conversation, I'm like, no, I need to go up a point. <laughs> we have a way of doing that, like kind of convincing each other of like what <laughs> what works about it, and I think a lot of times we we go higher than we had anticipated after. Like to each other. I, I think that's what a good creative discussion. Like that's what's great about it. You mm-hmm. know, we help each other see see the value in things. Mm-hmm. John, you want to go next? Sure. Um, God, everything you guys said is like spot on. I there's something underlying here that that I think is so modern, so uh, progressive about this movie being in 2002. Um, 
I think it's sexuality of, you know, she had her friend Polly who was very aggressive and, and Adam who was not very aggressive and just very romantic. But I, I, I think it's the duality of somebody's personality of, I don't know, maybe just trying to struggle with who they are, their, their, their personality, their, 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 you know, which way am I going to go? Am I, am I homosexual? Am I bisexual? Am I, uh, whatever it, it's just i think this movie really kind of played into that like perfectly as much as you hated the the, the character of polly polly actually played a very very important character into may's life because she got just as jealous when she saw uh, another woman's legs or whatever just like flapping around it was like okay i i, I don't know who i am so I don't know. There, there, there was a little piece of that, which was very progressive to me. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, everything you said, both of you guys, uh, it was, this movie's good. You got to watch this. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10, uh, this and bodied eyeballs. Is that mm-hmm. what okay. I'm going to give it seven out of 10. All right. Cool. Cool. Hydra Berg. What's the word? Uh, bird, bird is the word. <laughs> bird. It's better than uh, hydroberg. Yeah, bird is the word. <laughs> hydroberg. Hydroberg. Yeah. I didn't give you guys Still any funny. hydroberg's today, but Still all right. Funny. So a- Angela Bettis's portrayal as May is really good. It's really well acted. She fucking becomes that character. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her scenes, I said, I don't think they could have been easy to actually portray on screen. Like when she, the way she unravels and like her the actress just nails it you know and she's like acting by herself she's not acting with anybody else in most scenes when she's really losing it right she's acting besides like an inanimate object like a doll or something like that and she owns it um i think the film does a great job showing like the descent into madness slowly like once that that case cracks and then cracks some more and then it finally breaks and like that's when we do get like alpha fucking may right like that's that's the real her right like that's the her that she's never been allowed to be right or like the her that was she could have been something else like but ultimately like her upbringing became she became that and like i just loved seeing that part of her um like she wasn't a functioning adult in the beginning for the most part but then like once she got rejected by adam that's when you you just start to see like that descent or like maybe ascension like for her character she sort of becomes more um it's like a descent into madness but it's like her character kind of like moves up as far as like her her ability um i thought the gore in this film was really good and it's not like overly used uh but when it's used it's used really well and it's not overly done. Like, yeah, yeah, that that blood was very red, but it might have been on purpose. It might have been an homage to like like Giallo sort of blood. It was supposed to be like over the top because that scene sort of plays over the top. Like they show him several times, like taking the knife to the head, like or the scissors. Um, Real quick, Heidelberg, I'm sorry to cut you off. Did you guys like the mix of the blood and the milk, like with that girl, like the one with the legs? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that before, and I, I, I know, but I love that mixture of white and red, 
I'm trying to think of what movie uses that where somebody's drinking milk and then gets like yeah I was shot or stabbed through the the milk carton. What is it? I don't know about that, but I'm thinking of the movie Bound with Gina Gershon and Jennifer uh, Tilly. Do you guys know that movie? I do know that movie. Um, there's That's like white Wachowski paint. Film. Yes. Oh, I love that movie so much. There's like white paint that gets spilled and then somebody gets shot and there's like blood mixing into the white paint. And it looks just like that, except just like the scene in May, except better. I, I, I love that mix of like, like dark red and white i think I, it's a I, friday I, 13th kill i'm thinking of where someone yes. mm-hmm. yes. with the milk anyway um sorry sorry hey, Jabrick. <laughs> those are my pros um as far as cons i think the film ends and although it's like not a bad ending um part of me would like to see like the police maybe on her tail a little bit or i don't know like maybe bust the door but like that's just a small gripe like like you said, Nicole, obviously she's going to go down for this crime. Like we all know that. Right. So that like, I don't really need that closure, but it would have been nice to maybe, I don't know, even if they fleshed out like somebody just looking into the crimes a little bit while she was doing them, just so then to, to tell us like, Oh, Hey, they're on her tail. You need um, to watch American Mary. There you go. <laughs> it's in there. But that's a minor gripe. That's just kind of on me. Um, I wish there was more time spent with her transformation too, into the serial killer version of her. Uh, and the creative process of like creating the best friend. I like that part and I like to see that. And it took a long time for the film, even though the film's not very long, it took a while to get there. And although I don't dislike the parts before the film that, you know, gave you her character development and her relationship with Adam and her friends, like you could have cut some out of Ferris shit out of there and fucking put that in there for me, honestly, <laughs> because I, I like those parts. That's the horror in the film to me seeing her stalk her victims and like take care of them. And like, cause she puts the body together, but it's, it's kind of fast, right? Like, Oh, she's just got it together all of a sudden. And then there's the closure of like, it hugs her and she's, you know, she's okay. Um, but I would like to see more of that because I did, I did really, I gravitated towards those scenes a lot. Um, mm-hmm. the, the dialogue, it, there's some really good dialogue and there's some really cringy dialogue in my opinion. I don't know if it's on purpose or it's just the actors playing it. Cause there's only like two of them that really like Anna Ferris's lines. She's just not a good actress. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and old hot nipple Mohawk guy, his, his <laughs> lines are shitty as fuck. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I just can't tell if it's with, if it was intentionally supposed to be funny or it was just like those actors just weren't great. And the director was like, fine, just, just fucking, we got the scene, like move on. <laughs> You know, so with that said, like there's some gripes. I'm going to give it's going to be May uh, mm-hmm. seven out of ten disembodied Whoa. eyeballs. Wow. You guys all give the exact same score. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have a question before we move on further. So do you guys think the the hand moving with the new friend? Is that real or That's is that mind. just in her head? It's in her head. In her head. Yeah. No, no, nobody gonna argue for. There's nothing in this. She didn't strike the thing with lightning or hook any electrodes to it. Like, there's nothing. I mean, no. that's what I think too. But you yeah, know. yeah, it was in her yeah. mind. Her, she cracked. That was her her last crack, right? Like that was enough. Nicole, did you say she was euphoric? That the look on her face. She yeah, was yeah, she's end. very happy. Yeah, she was also so bleeding I, out because she ripped I, her eyeball out. So. I think that's what it was. It's just the state of euphoria. You know this. Um, you know, fantasy of being, you know, having a friend finally and mm-hmm. someone who sees her. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. comforting her. 
So yeah, I like that it was like a big man hand. It was just sort of like yeah. <laughs> the the body sort of looked feminine, right? But then like the big man hand came but along. See, that, that was my, Adam's hand. But that yeah, was, was my right? point of her conflict of of her crisis is that it was half man, half woman, right? Because the leg. I guess. I never saw her crisis as a sexual crisis, like her sexuality. I did, though. I mean, I guess on this watch, because it was... The scene earlier when you said the legs, she got jealous. I never took that. I took that as she saw those fucking legs for the first time. I I just... Wow. They stood out. Those were legs. I think she felt slighted that Polly was with someone else. I don't think it mattered who it was or what the gender was. Yeah, same. I I disagree. I, I, I think that she felt like... Not as much for at like 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 what she felt for Adam, but I think she felt something for Polly that it was like, you know, I have feelings for this person. That's why she got jealous. I think what she felt was someone is interested in me, mm-hmm. and I like that. It doesn't matter who they are, or yeah, what gender they are, moved. and but then was, and then it's a, it's a rejection, no matter what what was, the gender of anybody is. It's like that she's was May's, feeling rejected, and that's right. the crux of the issue. That was May's crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that that it's just like she didn't feel accepted by anyone. So. Yeah, I don't think her. I I just disagree that this that her sexuality is is a crisis here. I I think it's just I think her crisis is just like not having human connection. Yeah, maybe she was asexual. I don't know. I mean, where it was just like no gender bias or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But um, trivia, Nicole. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, Heidelberg, you said something a second ago about bleeding because of her eyeball. Yeah. In a couple different places, when I was just like reading about this movie in preparation, a couple of different like plot summaries and trivia points said things like, and May kills herself at the end by gouging out her eye, or May slowly dies while her creature hugs her. And I was like, what? Like, no, I, I did not see died. her as dying at all. What did you guys think? I don't think so. Did, no. did anybody else think that? Watching she she might have went into no. shock, but I feel like I mean, if, if she stays there long enough, bleeding out, laying with that dead body, then yeah, maybe. Do you bleed that much from your optic like nerve? I mean, Probably. like, I mean, it's from your head. Your head does bleed a decent amount, but I guess it's possible. But I don't think that's what the movie is telling. I should us. ask no. Joey. Damn, I should <laughs> ask Joey before we start. I do recording. think once she gets locked up and sent to prison, she will be have people that see her for who she is because they'll <laughs> have similar qualities. And she'll feel like. <laughs> involved with people and finally honestly I think best case scenario for May is that she totally yeah cracked and that she just believes that her friend is real no matter what they do or where they put her that's where she just needs to be in her happy place with her friend Mm -hmm. you're probably right I just I I, I'm glad you guys were on the same page with me on that because I was like what she dies I I want to see her locked up in prison singing it's a hard knock life for, for us. May. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be May. <laughs> I'm a theme I'm song. I'm. Hey guys, I have my own theme song. Um, okay. All right. Interesting. It, well, and Nicole, I was kind of thinking about it um, just while everybody was talking. Your comparison to Carrie and how the ending feels different. Like the, their individual arcs feel different. And I wonder, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this, but just on a on a whim, I wonder if the difference is Carrie goes to the prom and sort of is able to put herself in the same social plane with her peers and she Mm -hmm. finds that she is able like once she overcomes some fear and some doubts about her own like 
self and identity she's able to like socialize with these people and sort of be normal and that's like Mm -hmm. part of her gaining redemption and then of course that's dashed to pieces you know a few minutes later but um but for a while it's like she really does form true human connections and she's able to like uh, I don't want to say improve herself but she's able to learn like what other people are like and how to how to how to try to be like that or yeah to, to try to improve herself like improve her yeah. social abilities and I think May she doesn't like try to make herself better she doesn't try to learn anything about herself or really about like other people like she kind of expects everybody to just come to her you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so that again I kind of I can't get away from this idea that maybe she's a little narcissistic and her she can't form relationships with human people and so she's obsessed with these doll figures first it's Susie yeah. and then she builds her own doll well a doll can be perfect a doll can be whatever you want it to be and a doll doesn't criticize you for your flaws and a doll doesn't like argue with you or call you out or challenge you on anything so i just yeah you know maybe maybe that's what it is for me is that it does kind of feel like it's not it's maybe it's because it does feel like it's not a two-way street you know Mm. i don't know maybe maybe that's where the conflict is because you're right carrie she has her gym teacher that's nice to her she's got a couple people that are nice to her and she like you said makes the effort to like oh i she even tells her mom it's not too late for me. I can still be a whole person. And her circumstances are kind of put upon her, whereas mm-hmm. May's circumstances, yeah. sure, she has some external influences, but it's almost like she's taken those external influences and has just, like, held it all inside her. And like you said, she expects everyone to just come to her instead of her also yeah. trying to meet them halfway. She doesn't She doesn't feel the need to change. She doesn't change herself. And that's... yeah. The- Nicole, you brought up the best point is that uh, she tries to call the cat and the cat doesn't like come to her. She throws the uh, the, the, the ashtray mm. at the cat and kills it. Yeah. And then <clears throat> Polly makes a phone call. It's like, hey, girl, call me, whatever. And she doesn't want to answer. Let's eat some melons. Yeah. Whatever it is. I it, it, And it's shitty dialogue. You're absolutely right, Heidelberg. But I mean, it's it's like one of those things. It's like she calls her to you know reach out the hand in friendship but she's like no i i don't want to talk to her so you're right jacqueline i think it is a a a level of narcissism that may has that that you know kind of indicates that she really is a psychopath do you think her mother Hmm? that they're all gonna laugh at you I can see your dirty pillows may and and i think maybe that's why this film feels just just an easy bit like kind of hopeless to me is it's like you know there's not there's like no uh there's no like redemption or resolution for her and that might yeah. be her her just her own her own fault in her character yeah. her own weakness yeah i think i i, I definitely see what you're saying nicole yeah. no i which still make, which makes it character. more sad that's what makes yes. it more sad i think to me yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's not yeah. a condemnation of the character it's just i think this is a major flaw and weakness that she has um but I, st- I still love her and I still like root for her, but it's, and, and I still really feel for her and her, her yeah. deep loneliness. Well, and everything that you said about, you know, identifying with her and probably a lot of people identify with her. I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I feel the exact same way. Like, I'm, you know, you know this about me. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty, 
pretty crazy introvert and like people don't know it a lot of times they're like oh you are and it's like well yeah you know I I, I just told somebody we had a gathering in our health, house over the weekend and I was like I'm not good at small talk I'm like if you want to talk about like death serial killers religion <laughs> you know the, you want to like talk about the deep stuff like I'm right there you want to like talk small talk I can't do it I just I can't do it so yeah, I could be May at the party talking about amputation <laughs> instead of like, oh, what sports do your kids play? You know, so yes. so I definitely I I do feel for her on a lot of levels. This is why I yes. love you, Nicole. I want to be your BFF. <laughs> Long distance BFFs. I'll give you a hug, Nicole. Do you guys want to talk about some conspiracy shit I just looked up? Oh, yes. So uh, in thinks it's going to be me released May 23rd, 2000. Whoa. Before this film. In May. Really? Just saying. Wow, 22 years ago? Right? Wow, that's weird. It's Two weird for me to think of this movie being 20 years old. Maybe yeah. they started writing yeah. this film after that song came out. They were inspired by It's Gonna Be Me. Oh, my God. Oh, you're stupid. It's Gonna Be Me. <laughs> and then they were like, you know. Right. Clearly, so that was the, in, the, the inspo. Film. Yeah. That was the inspo for this film. <laughs> that was in my trivia, out. actually. Yeah, sorry, I ruined trivia. <laughs> well, now I got nothing. No, I'm just kidding. You guys want to hear some trivia? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Uh so originally there was a lot more shown of may's childhood but uh it seemed to be just kind of boring and taking too long to get to the the meat of the story so they cut that way down just included enough to show like okay she's lonely she's got a weird like she's got a physical i don't know if you want to say deformity i think that's an extreme word for it but she's got a physical issue that makes her look different um and so i think that was a good choice and that was the right choice the poster, I'm sure all of us could have called this, but the poster on the wall in Adam's house was the Argento movie opera. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. eye and the needles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we all called that. Uh, this is weird. May's full name, May Dove Kennedy. Sounds, sounds phonetically like made of candy. Mm. Made of candy. Made of candy. Like Canada. a pinata, which is or put a, together. Or a jujubee. Or a jujubee. <laughs> I love GGBs. I can live off these things. Like a pinata. Oh, God. That's (laughs) racist, Hydroberg. Why is it racist? I'm just kidding. Uh, Just because I'm Mexican and I can say that's (laughs) racist. I mean, let me be called out on some actual racist shit. I'm I'm so kidding. I'm so kidding. Uh, So you know how a couple times there's a scene where she gets into the elevator and there's a dude making out with his girlfriend? Yes. Yeah. So the dude is Lucky McKee. Oh. The writer? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Writer and director. Yep. He's done some other horror stuff. I was looking at his filmography. Yes, he has. And I have some trivia about that, too. One, oh, speaking of conspiracy theories, one theory, which I, I don't know if I buy this. I'll be interested to hear what you guys say. After May visits the blind, the, the, the blind school uh, or the school with the blind children and Susie's glass case gets shattered. The, uh, the theory is that she's hallucinating as a result of getting glass in her eyes combined with her weakened mental state. And the murdering 
that she does after that is all just like in her imagination. Oh, a la American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's an idea. And then it shows her like the next day, you know, she wakes up, she's like, her eyes are like bloody and you're like, oh my God, she's just like cut up her eyeballs. But then like the following day, her eyes look normal. When she's like sitting on the bench with the they're scratched up like around the eye, but yeah, yeah the but the eyeballs look fine. I didn't really so, believe that she rubbed glass in anyway because it didn't look really like I don't know, it looked kind of weird the way she was like, Oh, god, it looked like she was smearing makeup on her face. Oh, well, I don't know. So that's the that's the that's one theory is that it was all like a, hallucin- a hallucination. Uh, I'm sure we all noticed that the punk guy's tattoo was the Frankenstein monster, yeah. and here she is, she's creating you know, a new cool friend tattoo, out of parts. It was cool. You should get one, yeah. Hedberg. Oh, thanks. Uh, that's, that's kind of it in terms of what IMDb has, but I wanted to mention the Masters of Horror series, which I think was spearheaded by Mick Garris. Is that right, Nicole? Yes, that is Mick correct. Garris creation. Yeah, so Lucky McKee was a director for an episode of Masters of Horror. His episode was called Sick Girl. And it stars Angela Bettis. Yes. And also former porn star Misty Monday. Oh, nice. You may know from such films as Playmate of the Apes and others. But um, don't don't shake your head. You know, you know those films. But Misty Monday, she's in that and she's she kind of transitioned herself into like a horror actress and she's in a bunch of other stuff too. I can't remember. They wrote a song about her, right? Misty Monday. <laughs> the mamas and the papas wrote a song about Misty Monday. Oh my god. Um I do own that on DVD and I and I and I did see it long ago. I I remember feeling like not nearly as charmed by that episode as as I do by May. Mm-hmm. When did those uh, that, release? That that episode is disgusting. If it's if about bugs, serves. yeah, it's mm. it's, it's about not, bugs. It's yeah. Masters of Horror is very hit or miss. Anyway, um, that one's probably about middle of the road. I would say for me, um, yeah. But it is. I remember being very gross. He it's did gross. a he did a short on tales from tales of Halloween. I think also. Lucky yeah, he hate. did. Yep. Yeah. I, I saw that when I was looking him up. And then Angela Bettis actually has two directing credits under her belt. One is a film that she made called Roman, which I think was from like 2006 or seven. And it stars Lucky McKee. So they, <laughs> oh. they did a little switcheroo. So I think they just must be like best friends in real life because she's mm-hmm. been in a couple of his things. They and were she lovers. did a movie starring him. And she also did a segment in the ABCs of Death. Ooh. And hers was the letter E. I won't tell you what it's for, but um, everything baby. That was bad. ABC's of death was bad. <laughs> have you guys what? seen it? We've talked about it extensively yeah, on this to, podcast. I told you I didn't like it. I, the was, whole thing. There's 26 different shorts, and you didn't like. I need to watch both of those. That there, and there was a claymation one that I liked. That was pretty funny. Okay, I I'm surprised. I thought you liked some of those segments, but. Um, Anyway, so she had one in there, and those are her two directing credits. And so I just think it's kind of cool that they have like this connection that they continue mm-hmm. working together. So that's awesome. That's about it that I've got for trivia. Yeah, sweet. I'm glad you guys were on the positive side with this movie. I, did, oh, I really yeah. didn't know how you're going to go with it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that it turned out positive. I don't know that it's a certified classic in my opinion, but like Nicole, like you said, it's definitely a gem. 
it's you know it's up there enough that i would recommend it to people that most people probably haven't seen this film i, w- I would agree with that yeah I agree hundred percent. I think people need to watch this movie. I, yeah. it, it's fun. I, it, it, there's nothing gratuitous about it, but it's just very um, psychological. And I had so much fun watching it again. It was like, wow, I forgot. I forgot the budget, man. They, it was a, a really good movie for that small of a budget. You mm-hmm. said 1.5 million, Jacqueline? Uh, 1.6, I think. Okay. Or no, 1.7. 1.7 million. That's, what that's, that, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good. And you know what? I find that it really did hold up to my memories of it. And I feel like it's kind of cemented as sort of an all time favorite, not the all time favorite, but it's like on, on my short list of, of faves. And I think it's a good thing to show somebody who is looking for something a little different. There's not much out there like it. And I knew you guys said that other film that reminded you, what was it? America, American Mary. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously this film, lent, you know, borrows from other things like Frankenstein and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really use those too much. Like it's not paying homage to them or anything. It's just, you know, using the fact that she's stitching a body together, mm-hmm. obviously your mind's going to go there, but it never really leans on that. But I just thought it's got originality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And it's got Mohawk dude, bro. Like, come on. That was a, that was a, 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 sick a serious, a serious. You think mohawk. he melted down jujubes and put them in his mohawk? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I was thing... wondering. I was like, how did they do this? I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it was ice cubes, a mix of ice cubes and jujubes. <clears throat> and he pulls a shirt over its head and and over his head, and the whole the hairdo remains intact somehow. <laughs> how does he do it? Crazy but, ice cube but, nipples. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The dialogue of him, I need some ice cubes to ice down my nipples. It's so his like I was watching his dialogue. I'm like, oh, he's just trying to like get his clothes off subtly, right? He's like, oh, it's so hot in here. Oh god, yeah. Can I take my shirt off? Yeah, sure. Why? Sure, go ahead, take your shirt off. She's like, and she's like, do whatever you want to do. Because <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. You, you mentioned earlier that maybe you'll try this tactic from now on yeah, moving forward in your dating life. I would not recommend that. What if I tried to perfect it? No, I don't have a mohawk. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I think I'll yeah. wait till I at least get the Frankenstein tattoo. Maybe. Maybe so. All right. Have some ice cubes <laughs> readily available. Hydroberg. I believe that next week. Oh, God. Next week is my pick. Is your pick. So would you care? It's to still going to be May next week. It is still going to be May, but not it the will movie be. May anymore. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Ari Aster's, Aster's first feature film, Hereditary, from 2018. Sorry, Nicole, I didn't invite you to be on that show. That's okay. It was a good discussion. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot to talk about with hereditary. I'm sure you guys will oh, you no, do not you do not need doing. a fourth you do not need a fourth voice. <laughs> the three of you can tackle it just fine. <laughs> All it's right. It's very light. So... The themes are very light. Oh, Wait, so should I Jesus. get out the uh incubus part of me while I burst into flames? No, and don't don't spoil the film don't before give, don't you give ever watch away, it. Man. Yeah, bro. No, I'm just thinking about theme songs for no, me. No, you're just spoiling stuff. So just stop. <laughs> yeah, we don't need another gun terrifier situation. <laughs> he used he the gun on the show. Oh my he did god! That okay, he did that after. Anyway. John, just because we reviewed Terrifier oh, on a previous please. episode doesn't mean we can well, spoil uh, it on this episode. In the flames, what? Anyway, so Hereditary. Do we know where that's streaming? 
Uh, it isn't. I couldn't find it. I, I'd do another search before we launch, but I couldn't find it on. It used to be on Amazon, like all it the time. Was. It was free and on Amazon. Obviously, they just took it off, right? Yeah, it's I mean, on it's Canopy. Still there. Actually, someone just let me know if you have a library card. Oh, Canopy. It's on Canopy. Okay. Yeah. It's on Canopy, and it's still on Amazon. I mean, you just have to rent it. Yeah, There's I bought it actually. Rent it, I bought so. it today. Me too. I did. Too, UHD, first yeah, I got the 4K version. I'm like, fuck it. And I do want, I do want it on physical media, but they never released like a really sweet box set or of it like they did with that midsummer i know they never released a hereditary that was like sweet (laughs) enough for me to buy i know maybe they will there's still time yeah of course all right so everybody go find hereditary whether it's on physical media or for rent on amazon or canopy if you have access to that and come back here next week and join us for hereditary from 2018 with ari aster in the meantime, if you'd like to send us an email with your thoughts, questions, musings, whatever, you can email us at acutabovehorrorreview at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cutabovehorror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cutabove one word dot horror underscore review. And what I'd like to do is have Nicole plug Light and Shadow podcast. Go ahead, Nicole. All right. Once again, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram at Light and Shadow Pod and uh, Light and Shadow a Horror Podcast um, on pretty much any of your podcatchers. So check me out. Absolutely. So That's terrific. What? I said no, do it. Just, <laughs> just all in agreement. Yeah. I think that was awesome. You can find us on Facebook, A Cut Above, Colin Horror Review. We want to say huge thank you to everybody that's given us a five-star review on Spotify, so keep those coming. Uh, you can also give us the five-star review on iTunes and tell us what you like and not like about the show on uh, iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcast. So thank you so much. All right. We'll see you guys back here in a week talking about Hereditary. Keep it creepy. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May.